This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Tuesday, May 16th. The weather forecast for today, mainly sunny with some increasing cloudiness by afternoon and a high of 23 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, short list of would-be mayors clash in their first debate. Number two, WestJet pilots are set to strike. Number three, teachers decrying school violence. Number four, Doug Ford set to liberate Mississauga. And number five, Martha Stewart rocks the cover of Sports Illustrated. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.08 on a Tuesday morning. How you doing so far? 11 degrees. I have no special intelligence on that. It's neither cold nor hot. But um, there we are on this 16th of May at 11 degrees at this juncture in the morning. So there was a mayor, mayoral candidate debate last night, and I would love to offer you all kinds of insider specialist analysis, but I'm going to rely on people who actually watched it because I I was busy watching Ted Lasso. Um, I just, I, I don't know, I guess my job should be to be monitoring, you know, playing the oblate nun and monitoring stuff like that on your behalf. But also, I'm mindful of the fact there are probably going to be about a dozen debates. And I think my analysis on on this particular race, not analysis, my analogy, I think, on this particular race is that, you know, it's kind of like a basketball game. People often say about basketball that it gets settled in the last five minutes. So I'm kind of willing to let these people duke it out and uh, have debates and yell and scream. And by advertising, I certainly hope, I'm certainly anticipating that a lot of them are probably going to buy advertising right here on News Talk 1010. And then as we close in on the end, I'll draw my own conclusions. But I've also been very categorical in saying I'm not planning, I'm I'm not going to endorse, I'm not going to, you know, tell you how to vote because I just don't, I, I, it's not my job. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I, I think there's a, an incredible presumptuousness to being a person in the media. And I appreciate that newspapers will always come up with their endorsements. And so, you know, the Sun and the Star, maybe the Globe, I don't know, Uh, will eventually say, this is who we think you should vote for. I don't plan to do that. So all I can tell you is last night there were five candidates debating of 102. And that's going to be an interesting thing moving forward is deciding who gets to be part of debates. Um, But it was Brad Bradford, Anna Bailao, Olivia Chow, Josh Matlow, and uh, who was the other, who was the fifth person? All right. I'm looking at the kids across. Mitzi the, Hunter. It was Mitzi Hunter. Okay. If you can't remember the fifth name on the ballot, then, you know. No, well, I mean, frankly, uh, you know, another front runner declined to appear, Mark Saunders. And I don't know what his reasoning was. Um, 
But the only takeaway I would think is, first of all, they were yelling and screaming about housing affordability and taxes. And it seems like everybody's going after Olivia Chow. Not surprisingly, because Olivia Chow is the front runner. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of the other candidates probably are wondering, you know, why? <laughs> why is Olivia Chow the front runner when, you know, they're, they're, I mean, most of them bring the same thing to the table, a degree of credibility and a degree of competence. But for whatever reason, and probably it's because of kind of star power, because she's been around a good long time and she's run for mayor before, Olivia Chow is head and shoulders ahead of a lot of the other candidates. That is the end of my special analysis, if, if there was such a thing. Um, WestJet pilots have issued a 72-hour strike notice, and Nick Marano, you're going to be able to fly out, but maybe not fly home. Is that, uh, is that where we are in all of this? I booked a round trip. It might be just a one-way trip. Okay. I'm flying out on Thursday. It's scheduled to leave Thursday, so I should be okay. As far as a return flight, if they do walk off or if they're locked out, uh, I did use a travel agent, so perhaps he can help me get back home next okay. week. Okay, or you get to know Amtrak. Amtrak, but I am going to Fort Myers, so, gee, I don't know, John, if I could make it next Thursday. Yeah. Uh, wow, Fort Myers is, uh, is a place I would love to go to, actually, because it's close to, uh, what is it called, Sanibel Island, and it's a great golf destination, although it was kind of walloped in the last round of uh, hurricanes. But yeah, back to the greater issue, as opposed to my doing some sort of a tourist documentary. Uh, the greater issue would be WestJet pilots issuing a 72-hour strike notice uh, could begin a job action as of Friday. And uh, WestJet said guests impacted by flight delays or cancellations will be refunded or reaccommodated as applicable. But there are a few things more dangerous to an airline company than the threat of a work disruption because people will just say, okay, screw it. I'm not going to fly on WestJet if I can't be absolutely guaranteed that I'm going to come home or fly out. So, you know, I'll stick with Air Canada. And I forget who it was. I was talking with somebody yesterday about discount airlines, and uh, they were scheduled to fly on, I think, Swoop. And they were, you know, just sort of raising an eyebrow and joking that, I don't know if I'm going to fly at all. And I told them my story about having a ticket to fly from Toronto to Montreal on Jets Go on the day they went out of business. And you know what? That was the last time. That was the very last time. And I'll have to look it up to see when Jets Go went out of business. But I have never booked on a discount airline since then because I just don't need that level of jeopardy. And yes, that makes me a slave to Air Canada, but you know, I'll I'll take being a slave to an airline that shows a tremendous indifference to its clients over an airline that could go out of business on the day that I'm supposed to fly. 
All right, time for what Toronto is talking about. We'll say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, good to see you. Uh, let's start with this. Yesterday, Toronto mayoral candidates, uh, some of the top five, squared off in their first major debate at the Daily Bread Food Bank, and it didn't go off without a disruption. No, there was a disruption. You're absolutely right. A man had to be escorted out uh, in, in during the debate. But we had five candidates, Brad Bradford, Anna Bailao, Olivia Chow, Josh Matlow, and Mitzi Hunter. Uh, notably, the former police chief, Mark Saunders, was not present. He's considered to be a front runner. They were clashing over issues of housing affordability and taxes. And if there's any major takeaway from this debate, it would definitely be that everybody has their knives out for Olivia Chow because she is the mm -hmm. front runner. Yeah, absolutely. They were certainly taking jabs at her last night. Uh, meantime, uh, the union says that WestJet pilots have issued a 72-hour strike notice, so there could be a potential uh, work stoppage come Friday at 5 a.m., which could really impact the long weekend for some people flying on WestJet. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's perhaps no greater jeopardy for an airline than when there is a possible work disruption because then people think, well, I'm just not going to book with you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of my coworkers is actually booked to fly out. He'll get out, but he may not come home. Uh, WestJet pilots uh, have issued the 72-hour strike notice to the company and to the government because it is federally regulated. And we'll see. Perhaps there's a last-minute deal and all this gets resolved, but it's a degree of jeopardy that probably a lot of flyers don't want to deal with. Yeah, absolutely not. Okay, and turning to this now, uh, according to EDFO, the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario, almost 80% of Ontario teachers report experiencing or witnessing violence when at work. You know what? Two years ago, we did a special series that was a deep dive on working conditions in schools, and educators were telling us that they were facing increasing incidents of violence. Mm -hmm. So here we are two years later, 77% of teachers say they have seen or personally experienced violence in their schools. More than 40% of those who took part in a survey said physical force has been used against them. And they said that uh, ETFO um, workers found special education teachers mm -hmm. are actually more likely to experience school violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and alarming that they cite that a lot of the violence is coming from the kindergarten classes. Yeah. Uh, so that's a concern for sure. All right, and turning to some sports news now. Uh, yesterday, the, the Leafs had their end-of-season media availability, and Kyle <laughs> Dubas uh, says he's unsure if he will remain as the Maple Leafs general manager, citing he wants to consult with his family first. A lot of people I've spoken with over the last few days actually feel that Kyle Dubas is probably safe. There are others who are mm. probably on the firing line. But I guess he decided to just put himself out there and say yesterday that he, you know, he could be fired. But he also says that he has nowhere else he wants to go. He wants to stay with Toronto. And like I said, the people who are much more knowledgeable about sports than I am have said that they think of all of the people in the management suite, he's probably the safest. Hmm. Okay, interesting take there. There's certainly a lot of reaction and speculation uh, post uh, their game against the Panthers and exiting uh, the playoffs. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. And finally, this, uh, John, uh, my eyes were kind of popped open and shocked when I read this and saw this. But at 81 years old, Martha Stewart becomes the oldest Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover model. 
The previous oldest model was May Musk posed for a special edition in 2022 at the age of 74. But, I mean, my big takeaway here is, aside from the fact that uh, Martha Stewart continues to be one of the hippest old ladies around, <laughs> I remember my grandmother in her 80s was just a rickety old lady. And here's Martha Stewart, you know, posing in a bathing suit on the front page of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, she looks absolutely fabulous. I had no idea she was 81. That was the shocking part. I know they do, you know, magazine photo test-ups, but I think she's one kind of celebrity that uh, has remained pretty much uh, consistent in terms of her image. She hasn't really changed much. So congrats to her. That's fabulous. Really uh, changing the age barrier there. All right, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Always a pleasure chatting with you. We'll check in with you tomorrow. Have a great show. Uh, Bill, we'll hand Yeah, all right. That's Jennifer Schoen over at CP24. And yeah, I loved my grandma dearly. I had two of them, actually. One of them was, well, I mean, we all do. Uh, but but um, one of them was a step-grandmother because my mother's mother died in the 1930s and then her husband married another woman, delightfully named Ethel, I might add. And she became our cool grandma because she was actually fairly young for a grandmother, and she loved being able to create adventures for me and my brother. But our other grandmother, who uh, was known as Grandma Muggs, um, she was an old lady. And I, I always remember this. We would go and stay with her. She lived in Brampton, and we would go and stay with her, and she would be effectively gasping for air. She was a very old lady in her 80s. And then you get to Martha Stewart, age 81, best friend, Snoop Dogg. Uh, apparently, she does the gummy bears and he smokes the blunt. And now she is on the front page of Sports Illustrated. And okay, I get it. Everything Sports Illustrated or any other publication does is all about the publicity. So, you know, they've landed an 81-year-old woman on the front cover in order to generate publicity and get us to talk about them. But at the same time, I don't know that anybody could have imagined that 81 would look like that. It's a very good thing. Yeah, it is. It's a very good thing. Um, and, I mean, worth noting, as Jennifer was saying, that, of course, the whole thing has been photoshopped and treated. And, you know, she had ample opportunity to do, you know, makeup, hair, and then to be posed and reposed in order to mitigate the ravages of age. But still... There is no arguing that age is a very different thing these days. When you consider that the president of the United States is, has he turned 80 yet? 80. That is nuts. But then I will always come back to uh, the fact, whenever people talk about how old uh, Joe Biden is, I will say that I've spent a lot of time with the guy they used to call the Toronto's perfect little mayor, um, and David Crombie. And he's 85 now. And if he wanted to run for prime minister, I'd totally back him. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Happy Tuesday, if that's something anybody ever says. Yeah, because it's not Monday. I find Tuesday to be the most gormless day. I mean, Wednesday's halfway through the week. Thursday has its charms. Friday, for obvious reasons. Saturday and Sunday. Monday is like first day back. But Tuesday is just like nothing. But happy Tuesday to you.
So one of the bigger takeaways last night from the candidates uh, debate, the mayoral candidates debate, would be that it got crashed by one of the 102 candidates, a fellow named Kevin Clark. There were a few people who were upset about not being included. Well, I, I guess there would probably be 97. Am I doing my math correctly? I mean, they had five candidates. The uh, former police chief did not appear. Apparently, he had some sort of a conflict. But also, you know, if I were running for mayor, I'd be fairly cautious about the number of debates I would commit myself to. I've told you before about what it was like, because I I actually chaired one of like a hundred debates back when uh, Rob Ford was running. So I'm trying to remember what the field of candidates was then. But honestly, every day, I mean, there were sometimes two debates in a day. And because it was very competitive, the candidates all turned up. This time, I think some of the candidates appreciate that, frankly, it's not going to matter if they appear at a debate or, or, or you know, they're, they're absent. Uh, but Kevin Clark is one of 102 people running for mayor of Toronto and was uh, disputing things last night. Excuse me, Now you will sir? not fix an election if don't put your hands on me. That is assault. You will not threaten to shoot and watch this. Look at this. Get, get your hands Why off. Why is he so I close? This is okay, that's um, it's a little scary, isn't it? I mean, that's a that's a lot of anger. Um, and I got no no special analysis on on that. So let's just keep moving. Um, the debate last night, I did not watch. So. I'm hoping some of our pundits did. And my apologies to you if you felt that I was going to watch it on your behalf so you could do something else and then tell you what to think about what unfolded last night. I just have to think that there will be a few debates that are going to make a difference. Um, last night, though, you know, it was uh, we're, we're actually going to be talking with the guy who's in charge of the Daily Bread Food Bank, because that's the people who organized last night's debate. Uh, Neil Hetherington will join us at 7.05. Now, obviously, his analysis is going to be informed by the fact that his whole ethos in life is looking after people with precarious housing and precarious food means. Um, But we'll see what he had to say about it. If there's any takeaway from all the analysis I have been reading, it would be that everybody's out to get Olivia Chow, which is not at all surprising. And, you know, because she is the front runner. And I've been talking to an awful lot of people over the last few days. I mean, some of whom think that it's practically an existential crisis that Olivia Chow could become the mayor of Toronto. I think any one of the leading candidates could become mayor of Toronto, and none of them are going to be disastrous. I just don't think any of them are particularly inspiring. Let's just put it that way. And uh, John Burnside was in studio with us yesterday. He's one of our pundits. He's a city councillor. And he liked that I had said at one point in the previous few weeks that I look at all of the leading candidates and I just think none of them are more than 75% of what we need as a mayor of Toronto. And, you know, you can set aside 
whatever loyalties people may have and whatever favoritism they may have for John Tory. Um, but I think most of us would still be fairly content if John Tory was running the city of Toronto and was going to be running the city of Toronto for another three years. But that's off the table. He did not walk in at 1.59 on Friday afternoon and register to run for mayor, as predicted here, because we've spent some time with John Tory, and he said he was out. You know, he's got a lot of things he wants to work on, and so he's had to set aside the job of his life, being mayor of Toronto. So that, you know, set aside, when you consider the list of candidates who are running, I still consider them to be somewhat uninspiring. With all due respect to those who are listening right now, um, I just, I don't see one person who's going to vault to the lead and take over the city and take it where it needs to be taken. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Okay, a few things worth unpacking from the five things you need to know. One of them would be Doug Ford apparently endorsing the idea of an independent Mississauga. It's going to be an interesting affair because Mississauga, Brampton, and Caledon are all integrated as part of Peel region. But there's that's kind of a fraught relationship. I mean, some of it makes sense. You know, if you're going to share policing duties, if you're going to share water processing, sewage processing, stuff like that, then you just come up with a balance of saying, okay, you know, this is our citizenship, so we're going to pay this amount, you're going to pay that amount. But it's also very frustrating, I'm sure, especially for Mississauga, when you are the number two municipality in the province of Ontario, then I'm sure you get kind of tired of having to pick up the phone all the time and call other mayors and ask them how how you're going to run things. But then, for example, in Brampton, that also becomes somewhat of a fraught issue. And Patrick Brown was on our roundtable on Friday morning, and we talked about this, and he said, okay, fine. If Mississauga wants to go its own way and be its own city, that's great, but they're going to have to pay us for the things we've paid for. You know, when Mayor Crombie says that she wants to break up and leave, it's essentially saying you're not going to pay your bill. Um, and what we've said is if you want to break up the, the region appeal, then you can do so, but you have to pay us back the cost to replace this infrastructure, not at $1974 dollars, but at $2,023. Otherwise, it's essentially theft from the residents of Brampton for what we put in over the last 40-some-odd years. I always wonder what it must be like to be Caledon in all of this. It's kind of like the theme for, the original theme for Gilligan's Island. Two of the actors were identified in the theme as and the rest. And uh, finally, one of the things they negotiated after the first season was that they, you know, Ginger and Marianne would actually be named. But Ginger and Marianne is kind of what it's like to be Caledon. And hello to my friends at Connecticut who are headquartered in Caledon. Um, but yeah, I wonder what it has to be like to sit at that table and have the second largest municipality in Ontario, Mississauga, and then... Here, population numbers. Uh, Mississauga's population, 717,000 people. Brampton, 656, so almost equal. And then Caledon, 76,000. 
people in Caledon. Uh, other things from the five things you need to know, uh, we would have, what must it be like to play an entire season and then get dumped out of the playoffs and then be chosen as the people who have to go sit in front of a microphone and be interrogated by sports reporters. But that's what yesterday was all about. Uh, Kyle Dubas, one of the people who ended up on a microphone, uh, he's the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think he's, how would one characterize this? I think he appreciates that he could be fired, but he probably won't be. All of the people, including Matt Cause from TSN that we've talked with so far, feel that, for example, Coach Keefe is probably going to get the gate. Um, and Brandon Shanahan may be shown the door as well. But Kyle Dubas is probably safe for now. However, he took to the microphones yesterday and said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm ready to be cashiered if that's what's going to happen. And then he also added that he, hasn't, he doesn't have his eye on anything and he doesn't have another job. So if he were to get fired, then, you know, it, I guess it would be a, a, a hiatus, if nothing else. Um, John Tavares said that he still wants to continue with the Maple Leafs. And he's in an interesting juncture in his career because, I mean, he's early 30s. So it's one of those things where either the franchise doubles down on a player favorite or he, you know, gets turned loose and then we see where he finishes his career. You know, I want to be here. So that's that's how I feel and, you know, love being captain and, and take that responsibility, um, you know, very seriously and uh, feel really fortunate and, uh, you know, still think that there's a, a tremendous opportunity for our, our team here in the near future and, and in the long run. All right, so everyone's off to the golf course now. There were some great um, photoshopped images on the weekend after the Leafs lost to the Panthers on Friday night. And effectively, they took a whole bunch of images of people hoisting the Stanley Cup or the people who look after the Stanley Cup with the white gloves. And they photoshopped in a golf bag with a Toronto Maple Leafs logo on it. But, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it for hockey. What do we got now? We got baseball, but that's fine. Uh, Jays are doing pretty well. So I, being the um, bandwagon man that I am, I went through all of my baseball caps yesterday and decided I was going to wear my Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, not Maple Leafs, uh, my Toronto uh, Blue Jays hat and uh, that's probably where it's going to be for the rest of the summer when i'm not wearing my expos hat well i was going to say today you wear you're wearing your uh, expos hat i see i am yes you know what i should uh, publish a picture of that i'm sure thousands are, are thirsty for an image of me wearing a toronto <laughs> wearing a montreal expos hat however i would say nick marano i think it's one of the greatest all-time logos and i love my my Expos, even though they don't exist anymore. And maybe that's it. It's almost a field of dreams kind of a thing. You're not alone in that, though. I, I mean, there are a lot of great logos out there, and some people sport. Uh, I mean, they, the, the uh, leagues make lots of great money on all of the uh, merchandise. I mean, it's just logos, are, if it's a great logo, and I think the Blue Jays is a great logo, too, like the original yes. Blue Jay from 1977. They updated it, but it's still a cool logo. Well, and also, I will say, uh, the Maple Leafs have some really great hats out there right now. Um, but I will freely admit, I was on my way 
out to meet up with some friends one summer's night, and maybe I was a little in the bag, and I walked into Lids, and I just said, do you guys have Montreal Expos hats? And they said, yeah. And so that's why I have a Montreal Expos hat. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.